0: Hello? Hello?
1: Hi, is this Lars? It sure is. How is life, Lars? Uh,
2: life is okay-ish. How's yours, man?
1: Why Why is life okay-ish?
2: Well, um... This year, I was... Uh, I just graduated from college and I got hired at like my dream job and <clears throat> I for an art teacher mm-hmm. and um, I am non-binary and that was something kind of private in my own life and I dress more masculinely I guess um, and so the district hired me, obviously, and it was going really, really well, and I taught for about three days, and the parents, very wealthy, it was a very wealthy school district, Mm -hmm. they uh, basically took one look at me and decided that they weren't, or I wasn't the look that they wanted in their school district, and they found a way to get me put on administrative leave and I was just kind of disgraced from the area and discriminated against.
1: Mm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, How long were you teaching there before that happens?
2: I worked there for several months, um, but the kids came back on a Wednesday and by the next Monday, I was already put on leave.
1: What did they tell you? Was the reason as to why they were putting you on leave?
2: They actually had found uh, uh, my Instagram, uh, which was not con- connected to my career as an educator, like at all. Mm-hmm. And it was for it was my art instagram that i had when i was in art school to become an art teacher Mm -hmm. and um they basically went online found me somehow and then like there was it was a picture like three years ago fourth photo into a post of a charcoal nude that i did um as you do in art school yes and this New drawing that I just happened to do. It just happens to be a transgender woman, and so I drew her into true to form. She had a, you know, her genitals and like a premature like breasts. And um, they saw this photo, and they started this rumor that I was drawing minors and so i went into hr monday morning cuz they had called me in and they said that you know the parents had called 911 saying that their if their students were placed in my classroom then you know they'd be in danger and i was put on leave right then and there like no questions asked because i was a distraction <sighs>
1: Now, are you pursuing a lawsuit against the school?
2: I'm really, really scared to. They said that I mm-hmm. have grounds of defamation and all these things, but like, you know, I've, I, I've met with a lawyer once and he basically told me, he was like, do you want to be a poster child? And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I can handle that, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All I wanted to do is teach. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, so you did have a consultation with a lawyer. I did. Okay, and when they said to you, are you sure you want to be a poster child? What do you feel like that meant? Are you afraid of this becoming some form of local or even national news? Are you afraid, like, what in what you know of of the process of pursuing this legally would be the things that you are afraid of.
2: Yeah, that's definitely it. It's, um well, I've, as of right now, the district has done a okay job of keeping my legal name out of it, the name I was going as a teacher, you know, and, um, but I mean, there's still articles about this online and all these horrible things, and I just know if my name was out there, then like, that would be it and I don't even know if I could teach after that because he wants to hire a teacher who's had their name dragged through the mud
1: yeah sure sure um, You said so you said that there are already articles out about this
2: there is yeah
1: what from, like, how
2: really mm-hmm. no uh, go ahead oh I was going to say from like really like right leaning articles that obviously are not Favoring LGBTQ lives in any sense.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is in in what already exists? How do these articles paint you?
2: Like a groomer, like a a person that shouldn't be around children.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I can. T- I can. I can. I can totally understand why you would not want to to pursue this I mean you're not here to Mm-mm. get into litigations with people or get money out of people you're here to teach exactly hmm.
2: exactly
1: and these articles they don't they don't mention your real name
2: right right exactly or else they know that they'd be going against um, my leave or resignation or Whatever is actually in the books, like, mm. they know that if they say my name, my real name, then, I mean, it'd be a whole thing.
1: What are your uh, friends and family telling you to do about this situation?
2: Oh, gosh. It's, it's so mixed. You know, if I, if I tell someone about my situation, then they get really heated and excited, say, we need to sue, we need to take it down, like, this is awful, you can mm. treat it like this. And then there are people who have been, have been, you know, sitting back on it with me, saying like, "Dude, like, leave, move away, try something else, or you try teaching somewhere else." Like, obviously, you know, not everywhere is going to treat you like this. You know, I'm in a red state, like very red state, and, you know, maybe if I just go somewhere else and not get my name out there then I have a chance but at this point I'm just I'm scared to do anything like I just don't even want to I do want to teach still in my heart but I, I'm i so anxious and nervous now about everything
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in what you've kind of been weighing around in your mind between what you believe personally and what people you trust are telling you to do what are what are some of the options that you've been considering as to how you want to move forward
2: I think the easy the physically easiest thing I could do is move on and move away and try to teach in a place that's more welcoming of quote-unquote people like me um, mm-hmm. but the thing that m- would be maybe help me like spiritually where it would be to get some kind of justice out of this. Even if it's mm-hmm. like, you know, the defamation case against the parents that made up the horrible rumors or the grandiose option of going for the whole school district, which is sure. probably the scariest part.
1: Sure. Sure. <sighs> hmm. What can I ask? What is in, in, Looking at the option of trying to get some kind of justice, what is compelling you towards that option?
2: Just the fact that it still keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. It's been months, and you know I I am in re- real therapy as well, and you know I I've tried all these things and but it, I still toss and turn about it and it's mm-hmm. not fair that people can just rip the rug out from underneath you and again, yeah. like this was my first job right out of school. Like I'm young and I this is my dream. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just frustrating.
1: Could I ask if you if you're cool for telling me what kinds of things has your real therapist told you about this situation and and have they been helpful for you?
2: Yeah, they've been really helpful, um, just trying to get me through day by day at this point. When this first started happening, you know, she was obviously very concerned and saying, like, well, you know, if you go to the court, they might, like, bring me in. Because, you know, the big thing with the right is that they think that people of varying genders are mentally ill. And so they would have my my therapist come in and all that. And uh she's trying to, like, work me through some plans uh, for that, which is even more so scaring me away from legal action because it's like, I don't want to involve all these people in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, she would say, like, you know, again, not everywhere is going to treat you like this. This was a special case with a really wealthy district and a really red area. And, you know, just trying to, like... Tell me that there, there's no, like, there's there's still hope, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a different thing working through the trauma, I guess, even though, like, logically, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's fine. I'll be okay. But yeah. people still hurt me.
1: Yeah. When you, you said that it's a thing that's keeping you up at night.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: What are what are like the persistent thoughts at you know whatever it is three a.m. that you're having? Yeah. About this whole situation, what what is like? The, what are the most more, most persistent things?
2: Um, I guess it's it's the feeling of like you know. I've always believed everything happens for a reason and I've thought like, well, maybe I got shooed away from teaching because I'm not meant to be a teacher or mm-hmm. maybe I got shooed away from the area because I'm not supposed to be here. Um, which I already moved uh, cities to pursue this one job as is. And so to make another big move is like a whole nother uh, journey. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just, I'm, I just am trying to find a reason that this happened to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just trying to think, not, not, you know, stay away from like, you know, I mean, I'm just not a good enough teacher. Cause I was, they were, you know, my actual like admin was like, you know, you're going to be teacher of the year. You're amazing. Like, we love you. But it was just the parents that uh, good. didn't like I'm, the way
1: that looked. I'm glad you, I'm glad you feel that way.
2: Yeah. Thank you.
1: Um, Tell me, uh, let's talk about this for a second. Tell me, away from all of this, what made you want to go be a teacher?
2: Uh, I'm super passionate about art and I want mm. people to be passionate about art in their own lives because it's through my other, you know, things that have happened to me in my life, like this has been my escape through like traditional media or whatever, art history. I'm a big nerd about it. And that was really exciting to me. Like I, the school I taught was was younger kids, and just to see them like kind of like get a concept, like that is yeah. like worth a whole day work, you know.
1: Good. Good. Um. You know, I I I have a I have a sort of a thought about this, which is like, you know, kind of what yeah, you just yeah. told, like what like what you just told me of, you know, Mm -hmm. remove everything and just like, what is your passion? What do you want out of life? What is important to you? And Mm -hmm. really like, like let everything go and just think about that in a vacuum. And, you know, the things that you told me, I'm passionate about teaching, I'm passionate about art. I like uh, when 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 I get a kid to get something, you know, and I would really think about that. And then Mm -hmm. when you bring everything back in and you're thinking about how you want to move forward. Do I do a lawsuit? Do I move? Do I do this? Do I do that? I would think about the answers to those questions in terms of which way forward best serves that passion. And I don't mm. know. I don't, I don't know the answer to that question, um, but that's kind of the framework of how I, I, I feel like I would think about that.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's really enlightening actually. Cause I mean, it, it gets so lost in all of that, right? Like,
1: yeah, my does. original passion
2: for everything gets so lost.
4: So, right. it
1: gets yeah. lost. I mean, I'm sure you, there's feelings of like, you know, feeling like you need to be a voice for other people or that you need to do this or you know, I I don't I don't know, I don't know what all the sort of thoughts you 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 might be having, but I can see how they would take you away from what the core was of why you were doing all of this in the first place and i would hope that you really operate out of that core because it's so easy in talking to the lawyer and talking to your friends who are getting heated to and talking to other people in the Mm -hmm. it's 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 just so many things that are gonna take you away from the core of i'm passionate about art I'm passionate about teaching and I want to move forward in a direction in my life that best serves those passions. And I hope that as you're figuring all this stuff out, you're not um, letting yourself get too dragged away from that.
2: Absolutely. I I really needed to hear that Lyle. Thank you.
1: Good, good. Um, And I'm I'm sorry again that this happened to you. and And I, and I, I, I hope that, y- y- you know, I, I, I hope that, like I said, uh, you know, people being however they're going to be is not dragging you uh, away from, from the passions that you have in life.
2: Absolutely. Thank you very much.
1: Um, thanks will. for sharing all of this with <laughs> us, uh, Lars. I, I know this is a t- is a tough thing for you. Is there any other aspect of this, or um, anything at all that you want to say to me or to the people of the computer before we go?
2: Unfortunately, through all this, I've learned of a lot of horror stories that have happened to young teachers. Even though our country is begging and yearning for more teachers so we're still pushing them away and I just want to talk to other disgraced teachers and tell them well what, what you said is don't lose your passion and um, there's there's gotta be you know a way that we can still be in the field and do what we want to do because they do need us at the end of the day
1: uh, thank you very much for calling and sharing Lars good luck to you Thank you so much. Have a great day, Lyle. You too. Bye. <laughs> wow, that was a that was a tough one. Yeah, shout out to Lars. I'm sorry that that happened to them. Um, but they did say that thing of like like that was I think what I picked up on in when they were talking was when Lars was like. I I know I'm a good teacher. I know I did a good job. I know I'm good at it. And they said that very confidently just now. Um, And I I was glad to hear that because, you know, through all of this, the confidence and certainty that they had in their own abilities to do the thing that they like to do appears to not have been uh, rattled too heavily, which is great. Um... So I, I hope they uh, move forward again in, in the direction that uh, best suits them. I can understand, again, the multitude of ways that um, in, with the freaking news and the, 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 this and the, that and your friends are, who are telling you to do this thing. and your People are telling you to do the other thing. I can see how you can kind of get away from yourself. And uh, I hope that doesn't happen to Lars. And it sounds like it won't. I think they're going to be OK. I hope. Hello. Hello, David. How's it going, man? What's 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 life like?
5: Life is good. Um, I'm just uh, just living, working, trying to make the best out of it. How's your life going?
1: Uh, is there anything in particular that you called in to talk about?
5: Yeah. Um, so. Ah, man, it's kind of embarrassing, but uh, back in the day when I was in uh, middle school, around 12 years old, uh, my buddies and I, probably around seven guys, um, collected our pee in, so you know those like Arizona gallon jugs, like Arizona tea gallon jugs? Yes. So it all started because he didn't have a bathroom in his basement, right? And uh, one day, uh, he had to go pee. And we had this gallon jug, and he's like, I was pissing this. So we did. And then one thing led to another, and then I I pissed in it. And then a couple other people did. And then it got to the point where we had uh, probably like six, Gallon jugs of uh, <laughs> of piss in his basement, um, and then uh, after a few months, <laughs> man, when I'm saying this, like in my head, it didn't seem that bad, but as I'm talking about it, it sounds like really fucking bad. <laughs> it sounds so bad. Um, but after a few months We uh, Dumped it off of a bridge um, In our hometown
1: You dumped it off of a bridge Hello Yeah uh, Didn't
5: know what else to do with this.
1: Did it get on anyone Or anything
5: No it was it was kind of an abandoned bridge over just a forested area but uh, it smelled pretty bad that was that was a key factor
1: how long did you guys keep the bottles before you decided to dump <laughs> them
5: well, it was a long time ago but I'm pretty sure it was a couple months like probably like at least two of them were a couple months old. Like, they got to the point where they smelled like um, like
1: pneumonia. What was it that convinced you to finally dump them after two months?
5: Well, we were storing them in like a Rubbermaid tote, you know? And uh, eventually the tote was full. And then we thought to ourselves... You know, maybe, maybe this, uh, tradition has gone on long enough <laughs> and we, and
1: we should get rid of it. What do you feel like you learned from this situation?
5: Um, that hive mind is a real thing. And when enough close friends or anyone that have the same goal, put their heads together, they can really, uh. Accomplish something pointless.
1: Do you feel like this has brought you closer together with your friends?
5: Oh, yeah. Sometimes, I mean, the main people involved... We did a lot of stupid shit during that time in our lives, but we're all still friends, and sometimes we'll reminisce about the uh, really embarrassing... Stupid shit that we did and uh, only we really know about it. And now you know about it.
1: How do you feel that other people now know about this?
5: How do I feel about other people not knowing about it?
1: How do you feel about other people knowing about this?
5: Oh, knowing about it. Man, I mean, this is the only time I've talked about with anyone other than my friends like when I told the call screener it just felt kind of icky coming out of my mouth Mm -hmm.
1: has has talking about it given you a different perspective on it
5: yeah I kind (laughs) of I knew it was pretty weird but now I feel like it's really weird like I'm a normal guy but you know like middle school age stuff is always really weird.
1: But you know, I'm going to tell you I'm going to talk t-
5: about
1: it. I'm going to tell you something because you gave us this. David, I'm going to I'm going to give you something. Um All right. I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I I was involved in a Jewish youth group in high school. I was about 15 years old and um, that we had there was like a retreat at a hotel, and um, yeah. I once peed in a coffee cup. Wait, no, it wasn't a coffee cup. It was a clear. It was like a glass cup. I once peed in a glass cup, and then left it on a coffee table in the lobby of the hotel.
5: Oh no! Wait, where did you pee in it originally?
1: I think I might have taken it to the bath. I think I probably took it to the bathroom, and peed in it, and then left it on a coffee table in the middle of the hotel.
5: Okay, I've never seen you outside of your gecko costume. So uh-huh. even though you're 15, I'm still imagining you in your gecko. Oh, just costume. like as a
1: younger gecko doing that.
5: Yeah, just like walking through this hotel, lobby.
1: I feel like that might have made the it worse. Of
5: glass. I just hope no one picked it up and uh, thought it was their apple juice that they left.
1: Well, you know, hoping is all you can really do.
5: Thanks for sharing that, though. It makes me feel slightly less um, downcast about what I did back in the day.
1: David, is there anything else you want to say to the people at the computer before we go?
5: Um, no, I just want to say, I saw you in Chicago, man. That was a really awesome show.
1: Hell yeah. Beautiful. Ah, that's yeah. sick. That
5: was uh, a, I wasn't expecting that venue to be that, that, uh, like this, the room to be that small. It was cool.
1: Yeah, that was great. I loved that. I that was super intimate. People were like right up against the stage. People really shared yeah. some shit that night. It was great. I, I'm loving doing those live shows. I'll be back. Uh, I'll be back in Chicago next year.
5: Awesome. I'll see you
1: then. Beautiful. Thank you, David.
5: Thanks.
1: Uh, you know, listen, I, I feel like so many people come to me with piss stories. Um, what kind of guy would I be if I didn't return one of my own? Hey, folks, this episode is sponsored by FunLove.com. Oh, yeah. That's right. We have finally gotten a coveted sex toy marketplace sponsorship. And boy, does this place have it all. Funlove.com is your place to go for vibrators, lingerie, BDSM bondage stuff if you're into that, penis pumps, cock rings, chastity belts. Go crazy, folks. Explore new possibilities Go to funlove.com and use the code GECKO at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today and make a horny purchase. Hello? Hi, how are you?
4: I'm good, how are you? What is your name? My name is Jewel. I'm low-key very fucking shocked right now and a little excited.
1: Just be in the moment with me. This is it. This is yes, right now. You're on the phone with a gecko. This is right and, now. I and, am on a phone with the gecko. And we we need to, we need to squeeze this and make it yes, the most do. it possibly can be. Um, Jules, what's going on well, with you
4: today? Uh, what is going on is I am 19 and getting married to my best friend of 21. Um, you know the idea of like everybody talks about or jokes about getting married to like their best friend if they don't get married by a certain age. Um, yeah. Well, me and my friend are actually doing it. This is uh, not a joke. We I feel like you picked a bit too young together. for an
1: age. I feel like you picked a little too young. Uh, I understand. For that I picked
4: too young of an age, but this is more so me and my friend after a late um, work shift. We're talking about how most marriages end um, in divorce over half do in America. So yeah. our conclusion was because everybody doesn't take a practice run at marriage before they get married for the first time so we decided to be each other's practice run of marriage we've applied for the license our wedding date is actually going to be February 3rd 2023 so we have a two three two three going um, neither one of our parents know mm-hmm. we bought each other rings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty we we did get a little bit of cold feet the couple days after we bought the marriage license um, But we've decided to like fully commit and we are going to do it So yeah
1: uh, So you are committing to a practice run?
4: Of marriage to my best friend
1: And how is this a, um, a practice if you're actually getting married?
4: Um, well, it's, uh, I think it's a good practice run because we love each other. Mm -hmm. Um, we get to practice like the actual ceremony part, the paperwork and all of that. And then being together, having to jointly file taxes and all of that is a good practice run. And then we get a practice run of divorcing when time, time comes to be for, when we actually marry the people we want
1: to marry. Okay, so you are getting married. You are getting actually married. Yes. You are codifying it into law that you are married, Mm -hmm. you are filing your taxes together, and you are doing so with the full knowledge that you plan on getting divorced at some point. Yes. Okay. Now, what, how long do you think you'll get married? How long do you think you'll be married for before the divorce?
4: Well, I asked about, I asked her this and she did leave me on red, And then the next day responded that um, she forgot to respond back to the text. But we talked about it more in person and it was about a 10-
1: to 11 year run we were planning on. Mhm. Uh, so you were planning on getting married with a 10 year expiration date. Yes, with a
4: 10 year expiration
1: date. Well, you know, I'll tell you this, I like the idea that you put a 10 years on you put 10 years on it and then at 10 years you go it's almost like it's a contract. I mean it is a contract, I think. Uh where at the end of the 10 years, you're like, all right, should we renew or should we uh, just call it quits?
4: Basically, and um, our whole thing was is like, well, not even our whole thing. A lot of our friends thing was like, how are you going to prove this if it's... Um, like taken to court like that were like being like doing fraud for taxes. Um, we've known each other for 14 years. And I'd say of those 14 years, a solid 10 of those, we've been very best close friends. So we have text messages, photos, all of those types of things to like prove our quote unquote love. And also since when does marriage say that it has to be romantic love and that it can't be platonic love? You know, um... me and her are very, pl- very good platonic lovers. I feel like so
1: Jules, you're not committing fraud.
4: See, and that's what I was telling people that I was not committing tax fraud. We were getting legitimately married. We are legitimately together.
1: Yeah, I uh, the fraud thing is not the thing that I'm um I'm interested in here. Um, do you, you have in? any do you have any concerns about this at all?
4: Um, I do have some concerns. I, I'm concerned that she might just be, um, she might just be plotting my death in the future to take all my money, um, and that would be, like, guaranteed with us being married and all of that, but she did just put me on her 401k as her beneficiary, primary one, so, like, that uh, kind of killed my, okay,
1: killed my so...
4: only really concern so
1: so so you could kill her for her money just as much as she could kill you for yours yes okay i suppose that levels the playing field um okay do you have any other concerns about this
4: um probably just how my parents are gonna react because me and this girl have been best friends she actually lived with me and my parents for a little bit um But my concern is how they're going to react. I feel like they're going to be like, this is stupid and not understand, like, that it's a good practice run, I feel like. So.
1: Um, Are you concerned at all with what might happen if your relationship with your friend, uh, you know, takes a hit in any way? and now your your finances are fully entangled with them um and and that is a that is a difficult thing to navigate
4: um you know what i didn't give that any thought i felt like me and my friends relationship um our track record while it hasn't been like the cleanest relationship it's been very devoted relationship um we've fought often we've gone a few months without talking but we've always somehow come back around to patching things up
1: jules tell me again what your motivation for doing this is
4: my motivation to get married to my friend was to give marriage a practice round
1: can i can i can i tell you something though yes what you're describing is not a practice it's it it is you are getting married you're not practicing right. getting married you are getting married practicing but would be pretending to get married this there's no pretending or practicing this is you're going out on the field and doing it this is this is not a practice if you're actually getting married this is you getting married
4: To me, it's a practice because it's to a friend. But I see your point of it not being practiced because it is not pretend it is
1: real. So this is my real
4: try at marriage.
1: Well, ideally, you're always getting married to a friend.
4: This is true. This should be a vital thing.
1: Um, I don't, listen, Jules, I'm not here to tell you what to do with your life, but, um, I don't, can I, how many, how many people have you, how many people have you ran this by in your life?
4: Um, how many people have I ran this by? I've personally told three people in person and I've like hinted towards it on my social media, but the only like. Real heart-to-heart conversation I've had about it was probably with the person I'm getting married to. Okay.
1: Um, Again, I'm not here to burst your bubble or tell you what to do with your life. Um, But I I guess I'm having trouble seeing how this is a practice when you are just fully straight up getting married.
4: To me, it's a practice because it's like the friend... It's like the joke that everybody talks about, but like us actually doing it and like getting the knowledge of like the actual marriage ceremony, the divorce, the like having to file taxes is like practice with her instead of like somebody I might half-ass love.
1: Uh, uh, Jules, you, if you get you, <laughs> you will always be getting married to somebody who hopefully you believe you love. This is, this is, this is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just tell you straight out, this is, this is no different from you getting married. However you view it in your head, this is no different from you just getting, it. and you said it yourself, you said we're actually doing it. This is, there's, there's no practicing here. This is you actually getting married to a person, uh, whose emotions, thoughts, feelings, and actions, uh, you do not have any control over. Um... what Mm -hmm, getting married is so like again I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life but um, I mean on this call right now uh, you've said that um, there were aspects that you did not think through such as the idea that your relationship might not be beautiful and amazing forever and I hope it is Um, I will say that incorporating there's a reality of it well it's not even that it's just like incorporating financial aspects into this changes the dynamics of your relationship that might make it less likely for it to be amazing and beautiful forever so i again i'm not going to tell you what to do but um (laughs) if i've brought up some things on this call that you have not yet thought about you should you should think about them
4: I appreciate that advice very much because I did think I thought everything through. Like we were planning on getting a an account together to put in money specifically for our divorce, but that whole idea of maybe our relationship not prospering like it has been does give me a thought on it.
1: Get a I don't think I'm
4: gonna
1: uh, we'll say that again.
4: I don't think I'm going to change my mind. I do think I will talk to the person
1: more about it, though. Uh, Have you thought about getting a prenup?
4: Yes, we talked about our prenup.
1: And what were the conclusions of that talk?
4: Just more so... um, of us like talking about if we want one or not and then we decided we do we haven't um, gotten to the like lawyer paperwork part of the prenup but we were going to do that before the ceremony
1: okay Um, if I, I I just would encourage you to not think about this as a practice because you're it's not you're you're doing it a practice Would not involve you going down to the courthouse and actually getting married.
4: Fair enough. So I'm actually getting married to my friend to actually try marriage.
1: You are. And you know what? Uh, You're uh, an adult with agency over your own life. And um, you're free to do whatever you want with that agency. But um i guess if i'm on the phone with you right now and we're talking about it i i would just encourage you to uh think about what you're doing as 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 thoroughly as you possibly can before you do it
4: i will put even more thought than i already have into this for you and for me and the other person
1: jules is there anything else you want to say to the people at the computer before we go
4: um. Let those intrusive thoughts win because I'm getting married because of it. Thank you. Have a great day, Gek.
1: You as well. Good night. Good night. I don't know, dude. I, 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 fuck. I've said fuck, fuck. I've said this so many times on this podcast that I and I hate repeating myself, but um, I'm not gonna tell uh her what to do. But I, I hate the idea of getting married. At 19 years old, there are so many infinite other things that you could be doing to positively and productively affect your life. But then again, I, I don't know, man. We're all wired differently and different things bring us happiness. So I'm not going to tell people what is going to make them happy in their life. But I do hope that Jules uh, thinks about this and I hopefully gets out of the idea that... that You know, she's in a practice because uh, nothing about what she described seems to be a practice to me. Um, And I mean, look, I'm thinking I'm really thinking about it now. All of life is a practice pretty much. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm thinking about the ways in which it does, because let's say that she does get married and her finances become entangled with uh this other person and she loses a bunch of money and gets totally fucked um i mean whatever she'll be like 21 she'll be have her youth and hopefully her arms and legs she'll be fine i think she'll be fine is what i'm trying to say but i i hope she uh thinks about it Hey folks, this episode is sponsored by Factor Meals. I'm actually a huge fan of Factor, and it's been a large part of my weight loss journey this year. I've been using them before they sponsored the podcast, and their service is great. I hate cooking so much, And Factor makes it very easy to eat healthy, delicious food that I can whip up in the microwave or the air fryer. I'm a big fan of Factor classics such as the shredded chicken taco bowl, the Indian butter chicken, and who could forget the creamy tomato pork chop. I've been trying to count calories and lose weight and all that stuff, and Factor makes it very easy because the calorie counts and the macros are listed right on the box. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Head to factormeals.com slash gecko50 and use the code gecko50 to get 50% off. That's code gecko50 at factormeals.com slash gecko50 for 50% off. Hello. Hello. Um, It says here, you're 22 years old from Colorado, and it says that you were born without a butthole.
3: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was born with a lot of medical problems, uh, one of which was a butthole. I had a lot of uh, symmetry issues. So, like, for instance, my lungs are switched, uh, my heart is on the opposite side of the body, Mm. and I have a fused vertebrae. But also another feature is uh, having a no butthole. Uh, originally, it started out as my urinary tract and my large intestines were switched. So I was uh, making little deer poops out of my pee when I was about two days old. So I had emergency surgery to correct that. And so I had a, a butthole, but it just wasn't formed yet. So I had all the tissue structures and all the good stuff for the doctors to use. and. Yeah, and just surgically made a butt hole, mm. but I had a butt crack.
1: Mm. Okay, so you had the beginnings of a butthole, but not a completed butthole.
3: Yeah, exactly. The pre-butthole. Okay.
1: And so currently, this, and so you're talking about when you were a baby, currently as a 22-year-old, what is the status of your butthole?
3: That's perfectly functional, normal. Uh, It was actually funny. I actually kind of had an accident, a little, shot my pants a little bit the other day, just climbing, but I was out all day outside climbing, rock climbing, and, you know, in the harness, so just basically forced in that position, and a little came out, um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, just kind of fucked it up and dealt with it, and then when I got home, just kind of cleaned up, but yeah, no, it's pretty normal now. I had a lot of issues growing up with it, but now it's, yeah, shit happens, and I'm pretty normal as any other normal butthole user is. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Um, So how long did it take? Around what age did your butthole arrive at some sense of normalcy? Ooh, good question.
3: I would say... I would say like high school, kind of late high school, late high like school. It, okay, that's
1: when so, I kind of... so so you did experience many years. I mean, I think you know, if you were a toddler or a baby, uh, uh, you wouldn't have had enough consciousness to to even remember what life was like with without a normal butthole. But uh, you you have had in your youth conscious years where you did not have a butthole.
3: I I had it but I just didn't have like normal function so I just it wasn't as strong as your butthole per se and Mm -hmm. so when you could like hold in your poop I couldn't as well and so it took a lot of like just growing up and just strength training specifically like kegels in order to like strengthen that and enable me to like hold my poop per se.
1: So, Michael, you're 13 years old. You have an abnormal butthole. Um, How does this affect your day-to-day life?
3: I would say not a lot. Like, I was still a three-sport athlete. I played football. I wrestled. And I ran track and whatnot. Um, But I'd always, like, come prepared. I'd come, like, with a bag and a... underwear and whatnot just in case if anything did happen and i would be prepared for it um but like inevitably you just have to like prepare for it and then kind of like not be ashamed of yourself and just accept that like you know this is who i am and you know i'm not there yet but i will be in this
5: is just part of the process
1: interesting so has this process of accepting yourself and your physical abnormalities been uh helpful to you uh just as as a general practice of being okay with who you are
3: yeah absolutely like another big thing about my personality per se is i'm autistic i have or was diagnosed with asperger's even though it's not formally anymore um but that was another thing i was just really socially awkward as like younger as a kid and just really was hard accepting like who I am and like I have a huge scar across my stomach. So I was really ashamed of like being shirtless in front of a large crowd because I just didn't want people to ask questions about my scars and whatnot. But now I'm, I love to work out and whatnot. And I, you know, more than comfortable with like climbing with my shirt off or just going out in public without my shirt on, you know because I have developed muscles, but it's also, it's just, it doesn't matter because it doesn't define me. I define those characters like like throughout for autism growing up my parents treated me normally like they would with my other siblings and that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me it's just like you know not being treated special because of my conditions
1: have you had uh times maybe by teachers or by other students growing up where you were treated differently because you had autism
3: I would say I was pretty, pretty reluctant actually just growing up, I had a good family environment and just good friends around me. Uh, I would say that like, I was just more unaware of like how they were treating me, um, Mm. like viewing that as like something negative, um, some like reflecting and like, oh wow, they're an asshole. But like maybe before I was like, holy shit, someone's talking to me or something like that. But I, I try not to, to, to view it as, like, something that they, they're, like, directly negative towards me. It's more of, like, a misunderstanding on their part. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so it sounds like, you know, growing up you, you had to deal with a lot of uh, physical and mental challenges. Uh, to where you are at in your life right now, what degree are these things still challenging you, if, if any at all?
3: Yeah, I would say it's it's. I'm in college right now. Um, I'm on my like final stretch of that, and I'm still kind of discovering myself and still trying to figure out myself. I've been living alone for about two years now, and I'm still learning a lot about myself. And a lot of it is, you know, not positive. Like, you know, I'm not as uh, outgoing as I thought I was, or blah blah blah. I want more friends, or something like this. It's all just stemming from my own issues but it's like just realizing that it's it's my problems and it's not like other people
1: wait can i can i I stop can i stop you for a second when you when you say when you say in this discovery process that you're talking about when you say you Mm. discovered you're not as outgoing as you thought you were what does that mean what what did that discovery look like
3: Mm. it's a really good question I I would say that I, I mean that by like, like in kind of first introductions, like if I I would say I'm outgoing with, with people I'm comfortable with and people that I know, but like, you know, and in being introduced or talking to a girl at the bar or just like a random student that I haven't met before. It's just like a lot more nerve wracking and I can't really be my true self and be as outgoing as I think I am. Um just because I kind of freeze up and and so forth-
1: mm-hmm. and is this something that you are optimistic about uh being able to to kind of overcome in the future
3: yeah, yeah, I would say so i i I like fitness as I like education because i I just like failing and I like seeing progress because um and that's the one thing that I'm starting to realize is like failure is good, and even though it doesn't feel good in the moment, it's really good teaching point, and you can become better off of it. And so that's like me becoming a better, out, more outgoing person is just me more willing to become uncomfortable with those situations that I try to exclude myself from.
1: This is interesting. This is interesting and i feel like uh you've had to do that a lot in your life so you're kind of used to the process
3: yeah no I'm, i've also been like leaking spinal fluid that was one of my th- surgeries caused me to leak spinal fluid for mm-hmm. 18 years of my life and that was just me getting used to being uncomfortable and so now it's like a lot of the times i'm either extremely uncomfortable or not uncomfortable and like when i am comfortable it's it's a weird feeling you know it's like mm. it's just like i can't sit still i have to be doing something consistently you know i have to be putting myself in these uncomfortable situations or else i just like I get bored and complacent
1: well this is cool man because you know you still you know like everyone have problems and challenges with your life you haven't you you, you have not solved the game of existence But it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're uh, like sitting on a good foundation of dealing with your problems, you know, a better one than maybe you had growing up as a result of of those experiences growing up. Is that accurate?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like everybody has adversity, just like kind of where that is in their life and like what areas that adversity is and, you know, kind of your character is defined by how you overcome those adversities uh,
1: did you say at one point that you I had was, poop out of your penis
3: yeah no that's how the doctors found it out is they they saw like like i don't know if you've ever it's a very vivid like graphic explanation but if you've ever skinned a deer and you take out a digestive right tract you mm-hmm. see a bunch of like poop pellets like Uh, in the digestive tract and they're like little pellets and then space it's like a snake eating these pellets per se and uh, so that's what my penis looked like was like these little pellets like spaced out and they're like holy shit this is good
1: i feel like the fact that you had to poop out of your penis at a young age it set you because that is like you've already done the hardest thing so, everything gets a little bit easier from there. So, it, it kind of, you got set up yeah, nicely with that.
3: Absolutely. It sets the pace and gives you some perspective.
1: <laughs> uh, Michael, is there anything else you want to say to the people at the computer before we go?
3: I would just say, you know, whatever you're going through, you keep your head up. And there's always a the silver lining, and you always pop up through with enough time.
1: Thank you for calling, Michael.
3: Yeah, thank
1: you, Al. Have a good rest of your day, man. I like that guy. Um, he he had a very interesting perspective on how he's living his life. Um, no, he started off at like level ten difficulty, and then everything just got a little bit easier from there. I I'm kind of inspired. I kind of am inspired to attempt to poop out of my own penis so that every challenge that I go through in life seems comparatively easier. But I don't know how to do that, so I will not.